0: Foundation, Arvind Gupta. The reason that people are talking about India is massive digitization and financial inclusion that we have done over the last couple of years. Enjoy this week's show. Welcome to Behind the Markets here on Business Radio, powered by the Warren School. I'm your host, Jeremy Schwartz, Global Head of Research at Wisdom Tree. My co-host is Warren Finance Professor Jeremy Siegel, author of Stocks for the Long Run and the Future for Investors. Please note, I'm registered representative for Side Fund Services, Professor Siegel, a senior advisor to Wisdom Tree, the discussion is not tied to the Office of Investment Products, and the views of our guests are their own, and not those of Wisdom Tree affiliates. It's going to be a really interesting show. Professor, it's been a few weeks since we've heard some market commentary, and we had a very important uh, employment report uh, just crossing the wire. So getting your very first quick reactions on the thoughts on the employment report, what it means for the Fed, the economy, the markets, what's, what's your take?
1: Yeah, it was definitely a very weak report, um, well below expectations. We have had a downshift, uh, unquestionably, in that in the job growth uh, from what we've had over the last uh, several years. Um, this doesn't mean a recession has, has struck. Uh, it does mean, uh, as you know, for the last how many weeks have I said the Fed should roll back its December increase at least. Um, I I thought that actually, given where the 10-year is, and by the way, after the employment report, again, the 10-year is sinking right towards 2%, uh, that the Fed funds rate should be really cut 50 basis points um, to, to give us a little bit of breathing room. Uh, on that curve, uh, you know, and I, I've been saying that for, as, as you know, for quite a long time, I, I do want to point out, um, uh, you know, 75,000 jobs is, is li- that is a little weaker than it actually is, because actually there were 90,000 private payrolls. And it appears that the census uh, numbers which should be building now. We actually lost 15,000 government jobs over the month. So, uh, you know, the, the private sector isn't quite as weak as that 75,000 shows, but there, there has been that, uh, that downshift. Uh, on, and the same time, unemployment stays at 3.6, although the U6 unemployment rate, which is, you know, the broader measure, is down to a new cyclical low of 7.1%. Um, so there's not really any slack in the economy as we're getting this weakness in that and participation rate uh, basically remained exactly unchanged at 62.8. You know, that hope that that participation rate would rise and help absorb those higher numbers of uh, employment uh, have, has really kind of stalled out. Uh, the, all that said, trade is the dominating force For the equity markets, there's just no question, you know, the layering of that Mexican tariff on top of the worries about China was just a little bit too much. Uh, Fortunately, uh, uh, Trump appears to be backpedaling on that a bit. Uh, We definitely saw pressure from the Republican Senate. Um, that he has to listen to. Uh, uh, they're they're not happy with this. Um, it also appears that Mexico has made some preliminary moves to put border. Maybe he should call a victory on this and forget and delay these uh, Mexican tariffs. Clearly, uh, you know, the addition of the Mexican tariffs on top of the Chinese dispute is not something that the market wants in a weakening economy.
0: And and so now, the, as the Fed box themselves in, I mean, you see, like, Bullard's the only one coming out more aggressively yeah. saying we should cut rates. I mean, you, you do see Powell sort of talking, yeah. um, talking, and the 50 move would be would be a real surprise, even though you've been you've yeah. been calling for a oh, while. Oh, and I'm
1: not expecting it. In fact, I'm not even expecting on the 19 to 25 basis points. Yeah, let's review. Uh, I mean, what really encouraged the market, you know, when we got that 500-point uh uh, increase a couple days ago. It was it was really Powell said I'm listening. I'm li-, I mean, in other words, he didn't completely cut uh, remove the the option of that cut. And several others said we're listening. So they're not saying oh no. I mean, with the unemployment rate six uh, you know uh, three point six percent, and U.S. So that we can't possibly lower it. No, they they said we're watching and that kind of opening. Of that little uh, uh, possibility, on top of a little bit better trade news, was fuel and short covering. Obviously, uh, as, as a few of the technical traders tried to, you know, push on on that short side, that gave you that five hundred plus r- r- uh, increase there. Um, what I expect in June, unless we get very market deterioration in the next two weeks, which You know, it's always possible, but I don't think likely. I mean, the jobless claims numbers, which are early indicators, are not showing a lot of weakness over here. Um, But uh, I'm expecting the June statement to say we have a bias on the downside, and I don't think they're going to cut. But I think they're going to say we're, you know, we are ready now to cut instead of just holding firm. Um, and uh, uh but but if we do see weakness in the next 2 weeks in 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 these indicators um, a cut of 25 basis points is not out of the question uh, at all and certainly as a result of this employment rate uh you know we'll see that those probabilities rise in in, in the futures market
0: yeah, I guess it'll, it'll depend. How much are they worried about this curve inversion where a few of them have yeah. been saying it doesn't matter as much as it used to. Um, I mean, but it is amazing when the 10-year was 280 to start the year almost or at the end of last at the end of last yeah. year, and it just you know,
1: Jeremy, sunk. I, I mean, I would say without question, the biggest surprise over the last six months has been the collapse of that 10-year. I mean, this is, uh, you know, gone way out. I, I mean, I don't know anyone <laughs> that was really predict- I mean, there there's a few out there but you know i mean that it was over 3% and the economy was looking strong employment was strong fed was tightening and certainly not uh, somebody who no, thought the really, equities were really going up 10 going down over 100 basis points um uh in in the last uh 6 months yeah. um and Wow, I mean, uh, it's it's telling us something. We also see Europe and Japan in negative range. They're all at or very near all-time lows on their 10-year. Um, so their pessimism on, on growth and inflation are, uh, and I say pessimism, inflation going lower than expected. Inflation is 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 uh, is, is a worldwide phenomenon um, and affecting those uh, yields uh, across the board.
0: Professor, it's great to get some first reaction commentary and uh, looking forward to seeing what happens next week and checking back in.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks. Have a good one. Our next guest is going to be uh, another economist, Frederick Duke-Rosé from Peak-Tay, the Piquete Group. He's a European-based. Uh, we've had Frederick on before talking about the ECB, interest rates, the economy, and we not only did we just get this big jobs report, which which I, uh, I heard Frederick believes was a shocker, so we'll be looking forward to hearing his view, and then also the sort of big ECB meeting this week and sort of updated comments from Frederick there. So, Frederick, welcome back to our program. Thank you, Jeremy. Hi. Good to talk to you again. Um, what's, what's your first reaction from the, uh, the employment report here? Uh,
2: well, it is a shocker, even from Europe, when we look at your, uh, at your economy, uh, which, uh, I mean, uh, by and large, is much more resilient than, than European uh, economies. That's for sure. Closer to uh, full employment, uh, as you said. I mean, there's not, I mean, there's less slack, at least, uh, than before. Uh, and we, we should see at least some, uh, perhaps, I would say the headline number is indeed a bit of a mystery, uh, despite the ADP numbers perhaps hinting at at some weakness. We'll see next month there can be some volatility at the end of the cycle. That's maybe not even what worries me the most, but we're still not seeing wage growth um, picking up more strongly. I mean, that's another disappointment in in the report. And that's, I think, providing the perfect excuse, justification, sorry, for the Fed uh, to, to shift uh, uh, the stance in June. We don't expect a rate cut either. I agree um, with what you just said. I think it's too early. You have to uh, manage expectations and, and move the dots first. But, uh, I mean, perhaps July is a live meeting now, and definitely September uh, will be. So, all this, depending on what happened from trade and in the, the G20. From this uh, perspective is not that big a surprise to see rates market uh, uh, moving lower again uh, in terms of yields. Uh, what I would add to what you just said is that uh, it does strike me as a difference that I mentioned this week that the term premium in particular in in, in the bond market is just collapsing. And so this is something that you see in Canada, you see in, in in Asia, in Europe. Of course, that's a global phenomenon. That's by the way something that brings us to the ECB as well, maybe because that's something that's affecting all central banks. That is, uh, I think, both signaling market expectations of something bigger, not just Fed rate cuts, and by that I mean QE somewhere, maybe next year, uh, and also forcing them, actually. So it goes both ways. I mean, the the market is still in this position to force central bank, uh, depending on what happens on trade, uh, to, to do more. And that's, to me... A
0: worry. I yeah. Would put it this way. Now, with, you know, a lot of people just look at the yield curve and they look at the short-term rates. And we we're talking about how now the Fed really has an inverted curve out to ten years. I mean, it's a pretty inverted curve out to ten years. Now, you, I saw uh, a little clip from you on CNBC talking about this—a ninety basis point term premium. For our listeners who may not be as associated with, they just look at the the standard yield curve and look at the curve inversion. Talk about the term premium and 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 what they can interpret it from from that
2: in normal times which is something we don't really know <laughs> <laughs> what is normal for, for the past 10 years or so you're supposed to get uh, uh, remunerated for uh, putting your money somewhere where you don't um, with the cost of opportunity and uh, including in u.s treasury bonds i mean you 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 could uh, break it down this yield in terms of growth expectations in terms of inflation break even uh, rates and expectations and there's something else supposed to be this cost of opportunity, the, the uncertainty uh, in terms of inflation or anything else uh, on the term structure. I mean, the longer you go th- down the maturity spectrum, you're, you're supposed to get a higher term premium. And this is supposed to be positive. Again, uh, there is a, a premium for those investors. It has turned negative, uh, it's not the first time, it has uh, already turned negative in the past 10 years with QE with central banks obviously having a huge impact on those uh, bond markets. And now, indeed, uh, recently, at least uh, I think two or three days ago, it reached an all-time low of minus 90 basis points. Uh, I have to to just uh, add a caveat to this. It's not something that we can observe or or measure very easily. It's actually the uh, residual, what we call in terms of... uh, In a a model, in a regression, that's the result of an estimation. That's not something that you see on the screen or that you pay upfront in markets. But still, there are, uh, I mean, clear, there's clear evidence that this is going lower. It means that, as I said, for one part, investors are betting on something big, maybe QE, and also that uh, the, 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 the worry or the dominating concern is that we move from perhaps inflation or inflationary pressure to, again, deflationary pressure, or at least the lack of inflationary pressure in the U.S. and some deflationary pressure maybe in Japan and in some areas of, of Europe. This is not a normal situation, and this is, helps to explain, I think, why uh, bond yields, including in the U.S., including in, in countries where the central bank is not cutting rates, are moving uh, to, to such low levels.
0: Now, um, I think I saw on your Twitter feed talking about the German boon being at levels, like the 10-year boon being at levels that you didn't even see during the sovereign bond crisis in 2010-2012. Is that uh, – what What do you think is behind that?
1: That's correct.
2: So for part, uh, that's what I just mentioned in terms of the term premium. That's uh, an additional factor in Europe that's coming from the way the ECB has bought uh, bonds in the past, so the stops QE in December last year, but uh, when they did this for more than three years, they um, bought uh, government bonds from the 19 euro countries depending on the size of the country. Not the size of the bond market or the debt, but the size of the country. So obviously Germany comes first, then France, then Italy, Spain, etc. And that means that, uh, unfortunately, this is, a, a, in my opinion, the original sin of QE, is that you are buying more Specifically in this country, Germany, which is issuing the least, uh, I mean the the lowest amount of debt, and this has led to an additional uh, drag on bond yields. What we call the free float is is collapsing. There is no more bonds in uh, the market for investors to buy, uh, and this is uh, pushing up the prices and down uh, in terms of yields. What we had yesterday from the ECB, there was a bit of a mix-up in the, I think, in the market reaction. Uh, interpreting, interpretation of, of Draghi's word, but overall it was dovish. Uh, there were a few surprises in terms of forward guidance, in terms of the long term refinancing operation for banks, but the big, big news in the big picture, in my opinion, is that uh, essentially Mario Draghi reopened the door to a, another QE program. We are not there yet, a bit like the Fed. I mean, we need to see what happens and get more clarity on the data and on trade in particular. But if we get there, if inflation expectations in particular, uh, this uh, infamous uh, five-year, five-year inflation swaps, goes uh, lower, maybe towards one2 1.1%, or even 1%, I think that would be a trigger for the ECB to possibly launch another round of QE.
0: Now, what's interesting, and we've had some guests on our program who have been pretty negative on just the negative rates they have, you know, short-term rates that people didn't think you could have have negative rates before, and now they're charging a pretty good amount to have your money on deposit at ECB, and they just sort of wrote a paper, sort of justifying and saying they've got some confidential data, but they're showing banks are, that pass on negative rates to corporates uh, without experience contracting lending or funding. Um, you know, that it seemed to say, Hey, we could even go more negative and all this commentary around the world that you can't go negative is, is sort of wrong. Um, any, do you have a view on this negative rate policy?
2: Well, first I hate it. That's my opinion, (laughs) uh, my personal opinion, but who cares? I mean, (laughs) we need to know what they will do, what what, not what I I want them to do. Um, Well, that's
0: interesting though. So why you hate it versus what they're trying to say? Like, where's the big disconnect?
2: I don't hate everything that they are doing, but negative rates, I've uh, never been a great fan uh, because there are limits, as you said, to, uh, to, to what, how low you, could, you can go without uh, actually having counterproductive effect on the, on the banking sector. It's not because of the banks themselves, it's because banks in Europe are uh, by far the most important transmission channel of monetary policy uh, in our economy especially for small and, 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 uh, and medium enterprises. So it's important in the end for the economy. We don't know. So if you don't know, why would you try and risk going too low uh, on, on interest rates? And that's why I have some, some concern. The thing with the ECB is that obviously on one hand, they have to say that it's successful. And it's funny because uh, just one hour ago, they, they posted a, another working paper on Twitter saying exactly the same thing. Interest rates, negative interest rates are fine. And uh, on a net basis, still uh, successful. But we've had uh, two months ago and again yesterday, some signs from Draghi that uh, if we have to keep interest rate that low, if not cut them further, then you might have to introduce some mitigation measures for banks. Uh, and that's something we have here in Switzerland where I'm based where uh, the Swiss National Bank actually has an even lower policy rate of minus uh, 0.75%, but this is not applied in full to the banking sector uh, for which there are exemptions. So that's something that we call tiering that the ECB could do eventually. I mean, uh, if you think about the, the, the most negative scenario out there, if we have a trade war, full-blown trade war, a hard Brexit in Europe, some issues with Italy and inflation going down, then maybe next year we could actually have the full package of rate cuts in the US, in the Euro area, and QE. And that's, uh, unfortunately, I was about to say, uh, a distinct possibility.
0: When, so when you think about I mean there's been a lot of this sort of macro discussion rates the fed jobs how do you uh, view that sort of from like a global investor perspective and sort of your European investors that you're talking to um, is there sentiment that you know is I mean there's been such a global growth slowdown and and the European data looks bad from emerging markets and exports in Germany and all the rest is are people looking at the sort of this Portfolio transmission of rebalancing from just bonds and safe assets to equities at all. What's what's your view, and should they should they be looking at European assets? There's been a lot of negative sentiment towards Europe from global
2: investors. We should definitely. I mean, there are some uh, areas and, and some great opportunities. I mean, uh, even if it's for bad reasons, I think interest rates and borrowing costs everywhere. With perhaps some exception in Italy and some, some smaller countries, will uh, remain very low. There are some opportunities in credit, in good quality names, in some sectors, etc. But my impression is that uh, investors are starting to capitulate to a large extent, uh, and, and and that's something that you, I mean, also uh, helps to explain the reaction in the bond market. At some point, with uh, <laughs> Losing faith in central banks that's that 's one part losing faith in the resilience of the go- the, the global economy it 's true that if we hadn 't had the, uh, the the trade war and the tariffs, we would be in a completely different situation that has been a, a killer and, and and a big I mean, uh, head, headwind on the on on the global economy so maybe if we don 't get that at the end of June, if there is a deal. Uh, And uh, we have some some improvement in the Chinese economy, which to me is key. Uh, I think we should monitor the the credit impulse in China in particular. Uh, Then we we will get back to square one, which was, well, let's say approximately one year ago, uh, when things were much better. But so far, especially over the past few weeks, my feeling is that a lot of the big uh, investors have capitulated on this scenario.
0: And so that's where, well, the question is have they gotten swing, the pendulum swings, optimism, pessimism? And in a way, if you're looking to add new money, you're always looking for, like, when is the, have they thrown, is, is there still more, when you say they've capitulated, is it now they've capitulated, it's time to get back? Or is it, there's still more capitulation?
2: I think for that, for, to answer this question, we need a bit more uh, of uh, clarity uh, in terms of earnings earnings yep. growth. We need uh, also to see what happens with FANGs and, and, and tech sector in general, because that's obviously, as you know, been a huge part of the rally over the past couple of years, and that's uh, now uh, much need, more uncertain.
0: You need some more FANGs in Europe. There's not as much uh, tech exposure in Europe.
2: In Europe, that's definitely—I mean, on a structural basis for the long-term growth, innovation themes, etc.—that's uh, that's, that's clearly uh, an important point. But more, I mean, generally, I would say this is uh, earnings growth has been very weak, perhaps a, a bit less weak than feared in the in the first quarter. But we still uh, we could still have an earnings growth recession, and until we don't see clear improvement, uh, whatever happens on the Fed helping valuation, helping multiples, might not be enough. To sustain the, uh, another rally uh, in, in the equity market. So I think the, the focus is very much on, on trade, slash, growth, slash, earnings for that reason.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting to hear your reaction. It's been a big, important uh, day and week in the markets with the, the jobs report and the ECB meeting. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you, Frederick. Thank you so much for, for joining us Thank on you our to program yourself. today.